0: And had I been an honest adviser of the Arabs, I would have advised them to go home and not risk their lives fighting for such stuff. But I salved myself with the hope that, by leading these Arabs madly in the final victory, I would establish them with arms in their hands in a position so assured, if not dominant, that expediency would counsel to the great powers a fair settlement of their claims. In other words, I presumed, seeing no other leader with the will and power, that I would survive the campaigns and be able to defeat not merely the Turks on the battlefield, but my own country and its allies in the council chamber. It was an immodest presumption. I risked the fraud on my conviction that Arab help was necessary to our cheap and speedy victory in the East, and the better we win and break our word than lose. In this book, I mean to be my own judge of what to say. Some of the evil of my tale may have been inherent in our circumstances. For years we lived, anyhow, with one another in the naked desert, under the indifferent heaven. By day the hot sun fermented us, and we were dizzied by the beating wind. At night we were stained by dew, and shamed into pettiness by the innumerable silences of stars. The everlasting battle stripped from us care of our own lives or of others, we had ropes about our necks, and on our heads prices which showed that the enemy intended hideous tortures for us if we were caught. Each day, some of us passed, and the living knew themselves just sentient puppets on God's stage. Indeed, our taskmaster was merciless, merciless, so long as our bruised feet could stagger forward on the road. The weak envied those tired enough to die. For success looked so remote, and failure a near and certain, if sharp, release from toil. We lived always in the stretch or sag of nerves, either on the crest or in the trough of waves of feeling. Gusts of cruelty, perversions, lusts ran lightly over the surface without troubling us. For the moral laws which had seemed to hedge about these silly accidents must be yet fainter words. We had learned that there were pangs too sharp, griefs too deep, ecstasies too high for our finite selves to register. When emotion reached this pitch, the mind choked, and memory went white till the circumstances were humdrum once more. The Arab was by nature continent, and the use of universal marriage had nearly abolished irregular courses in his tribes. The public women of the rare settlements we encountered in our months of wandering would have been nothing to our numbers, even had their rattled meat been palatable to a man of healthy parts. In horror of such sordid commerce, our youths began indifferently to slake one another's few needs in their own clean bodies, a cold convenience that by comparison seemed sexless and even pure. Later, some began to justify this sterile process and swore that friends quivering together in the yielding sand with intimate hot limbs in supreme embrace found there, hidden in the darkness, a sensual coefficient of the mental passion which was welding our souls and spirits in one flaming effort. Several, thirsting to punish appetites they could not wholly prevent, took a savage pride in degrading the body, and offered themselves fiercely in any habit which promised physical pain or filth. I was sent to these Arabs as a stranger, unable to think their thoughts or subscribe to their beliefs, but charged by duty to lead them forward and to develop to the highest any movement of theirs profitable to England in her war. If I could not assume their character, I could at least conceal my own and pass among them without evident friction.